This is the Ridge Hunter Outdoors podcast. Hey, everybody. I'm Canyon Clark here with Jeff Fry and Scott Clark. We got another guest on tonight. We're going to have actually two this week, so we'll have a special episode coming out Saturday as well. Um, Steve Shirk's going to be back on. But tonight, um, I will let Forrest do his own introduction since he knows more about himself than I do, and we'll get it kicked off. Um, uh, Forrest, go ahead, man. Let's start with uh, what you do now, and then we'll go back to what kind of where you got your start and how you got here. All righty. Sounds good. Well, I'm uh, Forrest Bonin and I work for uh, Drury Outdoors. I'm Terry Drury's farm manager and cameraman, and uh, I've been with him for four years now. Cool. So. Cool. So, I mean, normally when we have a guest on or like when we did our first episode, we like to talk about first deer, um, kind of our first memories hunting because everybody kind of remembers that stuff. So what's maybe like your earliest memory of hunting and how you got into it? Um, my earliest memory, I guess, even really before I started hunting, when I was a little kid, I'd always get super excited. My mom and dad would go out hunting and they'd come back with deer, turkeys or ducks and geese. They'd shot and I'd always be crawled up in the truck bed, holding the antlers and all that stuff. Right. And, um, then I started rabbit hunting when I was seven years old with my dad, um, and, and my mom, my mom's big into hunting too. So, mm-hmm. um, my whole family really is. And, uh, and then I killed my first deer. I shot a buck with a slug gun there in Indiana when I was 11 years old and, uh, killed my first turkey that year too. And, uh, that, that adrenaline overdose there really got <laughs> me and I've been addicted to it ever since. Right. So that leads into, um, did you go to school for this kind of stuff? Um, how'd you get to working for the breweries? Uh, how'd you get into that outfit? Yeah. So it really all started in college. Okay. Um, I went to college down at Southern Illinois University, Carbondale. I was in their forestry program there, um, and my specialization was wildlife habitat management. Um, I knew I always wanted to go into some kind of field working with wildlife and habitat in general. Right. Um, and then while I was down there, um, I bought my first uh, DSLR camera from a buddy of mine and started taking pictures. And we, a couple of my buddies, we started filming our hunts just on public ground down there just for fun, kind of screwing off and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, I ended up, um, I ended up going an extra year down there and got a minor in photography and media production. Gotcha. And in that last year, actually, I set up my classes, so I only had class two days a week, and I guided duck hunts for um, five days out of the week. So I'd go to class two days and duck hunt five days. And through uh, working for the outfitter, he's a good friend of um, of Terry's and Mark's, and he introduced me to them, and they just got lucky they had a position open and. Uh, filled out a resume, sent it in there, and met Terry and got hired, and that's how I ended up here. Nice, man. Um, that sounds like a pretty good schedule there for your last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They yeah, took advantage of the uh, being able to set up my own schedule in college. Right, yeah. Hey, nothing hey, wrong with that. Yeah, hey, Forrest Scott here. Hey, listen, uh, we're not too far from SIU. We're familiar with a lot of people who went to school down there. They ma- uh, majored in a lot of things besides forestry and some other stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love my time down there. <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> yeah. No, but you're a fairly local guy, right? You're an Illinois guy, aren't you? Uh, actually, I'm from Indiana. Okay, uh, okay. Fort Wayne, the northeast corner of the state. Gotcha. Uh, 
and I'm I'm over in Missouri now, but I I spent five years down there in Southern. Gotcha. Um, so what's it like working for those guys and Terry? And then I mean, obviously, I guess you work with some Mark and and the rest of them too. Um, what's that kind of like during the hunting season and then even in the off season? I assume you're pretty busy as far as production work and then getting stuff ready to go on TV and all your internet stuff you guys are doing now. And then obviously as well with managing the farm, uh, what's that kind of look like? Yeah. I mean, everyone always kind of jokes around and say it's the off season and really there is no, right. like there's no thing as off season for us. We're always doing something. Um, but I, I absolutely love it. It's, it's my dream job. Um, I just got lucky enough to combine both my passions, wildlife and photography. Mm-hmm. But so like during the off season, I'm, I'm on the farms doing stuff and obviously um, we're always videoing, shooting pictures, kind of trying to inform people, tell them what we're doing. And then hunting season hits. And I mean, early in the season and late in the season, we really only hunt afternoons, typically depending on the weather and stuff. So right. um, in the mornings, typically we're out doing stuff um, as far as maybe working on the farm, doing something or shooting sponsor interviews or pictures, all that stuff, and then hunt. And then um, obviously during the rut. Um, there in November we're hunting pretty much all day right so, but it's it's non-stop year-round there's always always something to do yeah for sure so um that being said I know you guys are doing or at least I've seen a lot of stuff on your Instagram you're doing quite a bit of burning seems like and some shed hunting uh, is that what other kind of stuff are you guys doing this time of year is that mainly what you're focused on uh, what are you guys doing as far as the property goes uh I mean right now we're we're a little bit slower just because it's been so wet but yeah we've been doing a world burning we got um here on the missouri farm we got probably 200 acres that we try to burn um we typically burn it every year um just trying to kind of keep it that in the early successional growth we don't really want to freeze it's a lot of warm season native grasses stuff like that so we've been doing um in between in between the rain events we've been trying to burn as much of that as possible Mm -hmm. and um obviously shed hunting a little bit we kind of just wrapped that up we just actually kind of made our last little walk through the farm the other day uh kind of in an area um that we hadn't walked yet this year and picked up we had a pretty good day the other day picked up a few had uh had a couple buddies come out a couple guys that film with with jury outdoors came out and walked with us mm-hmm. picked up a pretty good little pile of them a couple of deer that uh, a couple of deer we recognized we didn't find all the deer we wanted to but right uh, found a few that we knew about and then um, we're also um, moving some blinds around right now. Uh, we have a few spots. We put some new food plots in last fall, and we, we hung tree stand sets on them, kind of just trying to figure out how the deer move through the area and all that stuff. And uh, we just got a couple new blinds in the other day, so we're starting to place those, build the platforms for them, all that stuff, mm-hmm. and get those go, try to let the deer get used to them on those fields. Right. So uh, as far as the shed hunting goes, I know around here we've been seeing some bucks uh, occasionally you'll hear a guy say they're still holding both sides right now. Some of them holding one side. Um, what are you guys seeing? Most of them you think dropped up there where you're at. Uh, most of the ones you wanted to find, you still getting decent pictures and stuff or, uh, what's it look like for you guys? We actually just shut, um, all our cell cameras off of actually just this week. Um, okay. because we, we thought about 95% of our bucks had dropped. Yeah. Um, we had one deer. I actually saw saw a buck the other night holding both sides, and then the next morning, I guess that was that was about a week ago. I saw him one night, and the next day, I actually I picked up one side off of him um, in one of our fields, and I was out pulling some cameras. Um, but I would say 
I would say 95% of them are dropped mm-hmm. dropped right now. And I feel like they held, they held a lot later in Missouri than they did in Illinois. We got, we have a farm in each state and in Illinois, they dropped really early. We picked up quite a few sheds in early February this year over there. Really? Um, but here this year they held, they held pretty late into March here in Missouri. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing you just, you know, you kind of mentioned that you guys just shut off your cell cameras and stuff. So, um, assuming you guys don't run those all year round, do you run any cameras year round? And then, um, if you don't, when do you start picking that back up again? Cause we've talked about that before uh, different times of year when we like to take stuff down and sometimes the situation is dictated by what's around us, uh, when we might take them down or leave them up. And then as far as when we put them back up, um, uh, what's your thoughts on that? When do you guys kind of try to start running them again or shutting them off or do you leave some year round? We, we leave some of them on some of like our some of our clover plots like where there might be deer on it year round right. um we we will leave some of those cameras on those we don't if they're cell cams we just shut them off and just let them keep taking pictures we don't run the actual cell feature on them all year right on um, the, the photonics we can shut them off and hibernate them um we usually don't flip the actual cell feature back on until um late june early july when those bucks are starting to get developed enough where we can tell who they are um but we will leave some of the cameras on on some of those um some of those food plots will leave them on year round gotcha. just to see how they're just see if there is deer in there still. And, mm-hmm. but like some of those cameras that we run on scrapes or like say, say some grain fields or something like that, or um, in the timber where bucks might be cruising through, we'll wait and uh, won't put those out till later in the year. Okay. So this is Scott again. Hey, listen, so if you, if you get your cameras up and running and you've, you've spotted that target buck, for this year that you've been watching for the last two, three or four, whatever it is, are are there things that you do as a manager other than stand placement to try to make that magic happen on camera for one of the dureries or, or how do you do that? Um, I mean, so like with the, with the cell cams, I mean, we, we have our setup where like Terry and I get all the pictures from our cameras. So we both look at them and we're constantly talking about it and trying to come up with a game plan and stuff. But one of the things we like to do is go back, um, say there's like a particular deer we want to target. We pick up his sheds and we know he made it through the year. We, we save all our trail cam pictures from years past. Mm -hmm. So we actually start kind of developing that plan, um, way in advance. Like we actually, we, I went in and put a blind up the other day for a deer. We're trying to, to, we're planning on targeting this year. I picked up one of the sheds, um, we know we made it through so we actually went in and moved a blind in there was an area we we hung a camera in there we hadn't had one in there before got a bunch of pictures of him this past fall in there in daylight so we went and moved went ahead and moved a blind in there um way ahead of time that's kind of a big thing for us is we just go back and look at past years history with the crop rotations and stuff and see how a particular deer might have used an area um throughout the fall and then we try to make our game plan early so we're not having to go in and be intrusive during the actual deer season just kind of let them have it and we're ready to go before the season gets there yeah i think that's something that probably a lot of guys miss too that you just mentioned there um basing the activity you've seen on even something like a crop rotation and i know obviously you guys do a lot with the weather and you've got the deer cast app so you can kind of see what they're doing based on that but something like whether your farmer's got corn or beans out that particular year and how it affected the deer for that year and what it's going to do this year based on what's out there. I think that's, um, things that probably a lot of guys miss. Yeah. Like we, we, we have a couple deer, especially we've especially noticed it in Illinois. Some of those deer are, are bean hogs and some of them are corn hogs. 
like dependent on the crop rotation of buck we have we actually have a couple deer that they've totally dependent on where the crops are at um we watched them at three four five the last three years and depending on where the crop is the deer is going to be on a total other end of the farm mm-hmm. uh, a couple of them they just love that corn and once the corn comes out we'll leave um usually we leave some standing grain there and if they're standing corn in one area there's one deer he's gonna be on it like he loves corn but if and he loves that area when there's corn there but then the following year we had beans there and we never got a picture of him on that end of the farm he totally shifted Mm -hmm. so that's something i don't know a lot of guys i think do realize it but also there's some people that may not realize that yeah um you know one of the things we do at ridge hunters we'll go out we do like consultations and stuff and then management for guys so we get to work with a lot of uh, hunters, guys with properties that don't necessarily know what they want to do with them or they just need help doing stuff with them. So we get to see a lot of that stuff. And like you're saying, um, there are definitely guys that do understand that some better than others and some not, which is actually part of the reason we started the podcast um, is there's so much misinformation out there, uh, whether it be Facebook groups, um, on the internet, wherever you go, guys get the wrong idea stuff. So I wanted kind of a place where they could come and get some good information. Um, and obviously having guys like you on, um, Steve, a guy we were actually originally supposed to have on tonight, um, having some guests on that can talk about that stuff and put some good information out there. That's really kind of why I wanted to start doing this. So, um, all that stuff is is for sure good stuff. Um, another thing I was going to ask is obviously you guys are killing a lot of big deer, uh, year in and year out. And to do that, you have to have big deer. First of all, I mean, you can't go to a County where there's no big deer and shoot a 200 inch buck. Um, so first of all, I think obviously you have to be in the right area, but to be consistently killing uh, nice deer, what are kind of some of the biggest things in your opinion? Uh, is it having the right food cover combination of things? Um, hunting smart. Is it all of those things? What's, what are your thoughts on what it takes to be consistently killing big deer? And obviously some of it's luck too, I guess, but yeah, definitely, definitely takes a little bit of luck. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's really a combination of everything. I mean, really a deer, I mean, they have to have food, they have to have water and they have to have cover. Like those are, I mean, obvious things. So having all help, um, honestly hunting smart. I think that's, that's something a lot of people don't do. Like we're really, really careful about how we access stands. I think that's a huge, that's a huge key to killing mature deer is access um we'll go we'll go out of our way to we'll walk an extra couple hundred yards to walk up a a ditch where a deer couldn't see us they were bedded on a hillside or um, we'll go in and there's a couple spots where we we literally will plant a plot screen um going into a blind or we'll go in and cut cut a whole row of corn out going into a blind to to walk through that cornfield instead of walking through a food plot Mm -hmm. um and paying attention, paying attention to wind while you're accessing it, because once you actually get to the stand set, um, your wind could be good. But if you if you blow your wind across bedded deer on your way in, yeah, um, that can obviously hurt you. And then obviously, like we watch deer cast constantly. I mean, we we hunt pretty much every day of the fall, but we won't crash in on our best spots unless the weather conditions are are perfect. Yeah, uh, I mean those are those are all big things, I guess. And just constantly be learning. I mean, there's obviously not every deer is going to be the same. Like mm-hmm. some deer may daylight a lot. Some deer may only daylight when the weather conditions are perfect. 
um, and that's that kind of goes back to the trail cameras as well. Like we'll go back and look at um, look at like say we get a picture of a deer in daylight on a certain day. We'll go back and look at where he's coming in to the field, like which direction he's coming from, and say like, okay, what was the weather conditions that day? We we screenshot the weather every single day. I got a journal. Um, every single night we get in from hunting, I write down all the weather conditions and we'll go back. And if we get a picture of a deer daylighting, we'll go back and look at the weather conditions that night. And then if there's similar weather conditions coming up, we may go and hunt that spot just because those weather conditions are similar. Right. So is that attention to detail, something you've inherited through working with the Drury's or is that something you were doing before or a little bit of both? Um, a little bit of both. I, in, in college, we hunted a lot of public ground, um, so there's obviously a lot of factors that are out of our control, like mm-hmm. a lot of and stuff, but, um, hanging out with Terry, he's, he's very attentive to detail. So I've definitely picked up a lot of that from him. Right. Um, like, I, I mean, I paid attention to temperature and wind direction and the barometer and stuff, but I mean, when it comes down to the moon phases and I mean, the wind speeds and all that stuff, it's, I've definitely learned a, a ton from Terry over the last few years. Yeah. Uh, that's and back to what you were talking about before, like the entry and exit and stuff. One of the one of my favorite things I've ever seen entries to a stand. I don't know if you'd have been in on it or not. I can't remember what year it was, but I remember seeing and I don't remember which Drury show it was on. But uh, Terry had a blind set up with a cornfield to the backside of it, and like you said, just had basically a walkway through the middle of this cornfield where they'd spaced the row out, where you could walk down there quietly without hitting either side of it. Um, climb right up into the back of that blind and be good to go and that's something again like us working with hunters all over the place entry and exit is huge and i think it's missed quite a bit um like you said this the wind can be perfect for where your stand's at but if you screw it up on the way in or out uh you're done before you've even got started yeah kind of and i know exactly what you're talking about we we literally, we, we took, uh, we turned the one row off in the corn planter there. So our rows were wider there as a guest row. We do that actually in quite a few of our fields, um, here on the, on both of our farms. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to what you say, screwing it up going in, I mean, it's kind of that domino effect. If you bump one deer, they're going to carry in those deer that may have been coming out at four o'clock. They may not come out till five or five thirty then. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you guys doing any kind of, we've been talking about it quite a bit here recently. It's been a season for it. You guys do any type of predator control up there, trapping, uh, coyote calling or anything like that? Um, yeah. So we, last year we actually had, um, Terry's grandson, one of his really good friends is a trapper and he came up and he trapped our farm for, um, a couple weeks. We trapped like a hundred and I want to say 150 or 160 raccoons, a few coyotes, um, some skunks and possums and stuff. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, we, we coyote call, um, here in Missouri, we can, we can use the thermals and obviously in Illinois we can too. Right. So we got, um, we got some thermal gear and we've been, we've been calling them a little bit. Um, it's been kind of slow this year. Mm-hmm. We haven't killed, killed quite as many as we did last year, but, um, we've definitely been killing a few. Yeah. How much emphasis do you guys put on that and how much effect do you think it has on the deer population? I want to get into the turkey population in a minute because, like I said, I'm sure you're a turkey hunter too if you hang out with those guys and, and were before, like you said. But as far as the deer population, first of all, uh, with the coyotes and then maybe even the growing bobcat population, do you guys put much 
uh, effort into kind of curbing that the effect that they have, or do you kind of see it as uh, it is what it is, and there's not a lot you can do about it? Um, what do you guys do for that? If anything? I mean, I, I definitely think killing killing coyotes definitely helps, especially with those fawns. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think I think in different areas, depending on how high the coyote density is, um, can have a have a difference too. Like on our on our Illinois farm, the coyote population is extremely high over there. And the coyotes mess up, they mess up quite a few of our hunts. Um, yeah. In in Missouri here, our coyote population isn't near as high, so we don't we don't go. I mean, obviously we try to still kill some, right? But we we don't go near as hard trying to kill coyotes here in Missouri as we do in Illinois. We really put a lot of our effort towards trying to kill them over in Illinois, mm-hmm. uh, where the population is much higher and the deer density is a little bit lower over there. So when a coyote does say a pack of coyotes does kill three or four deer over there it's going to make a bigger difference than it does here in missouri where our deer population is much higher as well um but but i do think and as far as the bobcats go i don't think they i i personally don't think they have a a huge effect on the deer population i Mm -hmm. think they would i mean they definitely kill a couple fawns every year probably but adult deer i don't think they have near the the impact that the coyotes do no um i think they're a lot harder on the turkeys uh, along with the, we have a lot of nest predation. I don't know what your guys' numbers are like as far as turkeys are in Missouri, but around where we're at, Southern Illinois, it's going to be tough in a couple of weeks finding birds to kill. Yes. Yeah. I definitely agree with you on the, the bobcats are much harder on the turkeys than they are on, on the deer. Um, and we, we've noticed a huge difference just trapping coons the last couple of years. Um, we we trapped all those coons and we hadn't had a really good hatch for a couple of years and then last year our hatch was absolutely incredible yeah uh, we had we had more broods than we'd ever seen in big broods like there was there was quite a few hens that had 12 13 14 poults with them wow. uh, and they and they made them they made it through is the big thing like we'd see broods in years prior but there might only be two or three poults with a hen and last year we saw some really big broods and um actually the other morning there there was a big wad of jakes actually i think there was like 12 or 13 jakes that were together i heard some goblin and went glass to field and they were all jakes there wasn't a single long beard out there but it's just yeah. it's good to see some of those younger birds coming up now yeah making for sure it. uh i think that's a big thing where we're at and i jeff you used to do some of it but as far as the like the the coon hunting and stuff it used to be really big around where we're at um running dogs and stuff and guys would go uh, even trapping them uh, they're not worth anything now a lot of guys are getting shut down on running dogs and stuff uh, there's not just not a lot of guys doing it anymore and i think that's been a huge thing on the turkeys i don't know jeff what well as, as far as running the dogs and stuff the coon hunting is still kind of going on but it's died down a lot of your yeah. old coon hunters are gone you not know, near what it used to be not near what it used to be plus fur prices have dropped or non-existent mm-hmm you know, so, and then back when, uh, when was it? The late, probably, I'm going to say about the mid nineties running dogs, you know, deer hunting got to, to explode mm-hmm. and everybody's like, you know, these hounds are chasing all of our deer away. Right. You know, no, they wasn't cause I've seen firsthand, you know, deer just move out of the way of the dogs. Right. Let them go through. Uh, you know, but we killed a lot of coyotes that way that's a good yeah. tool for coyote co- uh population control and stuff and the coons as well and the yeah. coons as well um uh, but uh since then we have a lot of landowners uh 
uh, especially you get these guys from out of state and stuff. They don't want you on their ground. They don't want your dogs on their ground. You know, they'll take care of their coyote population themselves, whether they do or not, you know, right. That's their deal. But you know, the coyotes now down here is getting out of hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, the coons are getting out of hand. And right. so now we're seeing uh nest predation on the turkeys drop. I mean, it's just going crazy. We don't have the turkeys like we used to, you know, the coyotes is, yeah. is taking over everywhere. So, you know, it, it's a balance and it's kind of imbalanced, but I, I don't know. It's just, yeah, I'm old. I'm old school. You know, I grew up back then. That's how I knew that we did conservation and now everything's new. And, and, you know, I guess that that time has gone and it probably never will come back. Right. But it's good to hear like you guys, Forrest, are still doing some trapping and stuff. And sounds like you're putting a hurting on the coon population, which obviously in turn, you're seeing a benefit for your turkeys. Uh, you talk to different guys around here and there's different opinions, whether it's nest predation or actual predation from coyotes and bobcats or the habitat has something to do with it. Um, sounds to me like just you guys putting a hurting on the raccoon numbers has really helped you guys out. Uh, you think you guys are going to, I mean, what are your thoughts on this spring? You guys think you're going to do okay this spring? or Because um, like us, we're not really too optimistic, I don't think, around where we're at. Yeah, I, I think we'll have a little bit of luck. Um, there's there's definitely some birds around. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw some pretty decent-sized um, fl- flocks of gobblers this year. Just It kind of depends on how they disperse and stuff, but we'll definitely have some birds around. That's good. We'll have a little bit. But, um, yep. Um, yeah, I don't, the last thing I wanted to kind of get on, because I want to get you out of here. I know you got other stuff going on, so uh, obviously you're a busy guy. So are you going to get Terry uh, to kill a bigger deer than Mark this year? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Mark is – Putting him on the spot, though. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, I, he's got – I mean, he's got a, a rabbit's foot and a lucky horse, mm-hmm. too. <laughs> That. He's 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 really good. He's really good, but he's he's got a little bit of luck there too. <laughs> yeah, I for mean, sure. And with Wade and, Wade and Perry up there, I mean, they do an awesome job up there helping him out on his farms and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. How but much, I, don't, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> How much of that uh, falls on you when when Mark's killing all the bigger deer? Does Terry threaten to maybe go pull Wade from him and make a trade or something? Oh, no, no. <laughs> oh, I don't think so. Oh, at least, I don't know, maybe he's talking to Mark behind my back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Going through yeah. the front office there. <laughs> yeah. no, oh, no, Terry and I get along. We get along oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah, I'd imagine those guys are pretty easy to get along with and work for, so. Um, yeah. But, no, man, I appreciate your time. Uh, before I get you off here, social media, uh, where can guys find you at if they want to follow you anywhere? Uh, I'm just on Instagram, Forrest Bonin underscore Drury Outdoors. Um, and then on Facebook, I don't post much on Facebook, but right. it's just Forrest Bonin. But Instagram is kind of where I try to try to keep people updated on the hunting stuff and all that. Cool, man. So. And yeah, for anybody listening, his Instagram is a good follow. I think I follow you on both our business account and my personal account. And like seeing the stuff you got coming out and all the burning and stuff you guys are doing, the shed hunting, and then obviously the stuff in season is cool as well. So again, man, uh, Thanks for the time coming on and sharing some stuff with us. And if you ever want to come back, just let us know. Uh, we'll make a, we'll make room for you. Sounds good. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Forrest. Take it easy, man. Thanks, Forrest. Thank you. Yep. So that was Forrest Bonin. We really appreciate him coming on. I thought he had a lot of good information and some good stuff. 
I thought that was really good just kind of in passing what he mentioned about them trapping the coons and stuff for turkeys because we've talked different times. And, again, I'll have someone on here who's more of a turkey hunter than we are to talk about some turkey hunting. But just like some habitat guys in general about what their thoughts are on why the turkey numbers are down. And like a common theme seems to be the nest predation, so the coons are a big thing on that. But anyway, it kind of wraps up what we had or the conversation with Forrest there. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that, and we'll try to have him back on in the future. Obviously, he's going to be just as busy as we are with plant season coming up and everybody else. But now, since Nate's in, he showed up late to the party. That's all right. Better late than never. Where I want to talk a little bit about some shed hunting because I know, well, me and you stumbled across a good one. And yeah. And I saw you found some good ones a few days later. Yeah. So um, give us an update on that. Oh, man, you were walking around out there, stumbling around out there. Well, let me paint the picture for you first. <laughs> so we're walking Nate's property and seeing what he's thinking and what he's got going on out there. And we're walking up to pretty close to where me and you hunted. Yeah. Through the little woods yeah. in the middle there. And Nate just stops on a dime. He turns. And his arm comes up like a pointing dog. His ears, I think his ears perked up forwards. Right. And man, he made a beeline. Did his tail stick out? Yeah, it did. Did it? Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> he made a beeline. And I knew, <laughs> I knew what he had seen, but I didn't know what it was. So Yeah. I looked over and I just shining in the sunlight in the opening right there of the brush on the on the ground. There's this big antler laying there. Uh, yeah, I heard, I heard that noise. I did. But I ran over and picked it up. I knew exactly what it was. It was the uh, left side from that buck I shot last uh, last year. year's left side from the buck I shot this year. Yeah. Um, I had looked for him a little bit. I had a buddy that looked for him a whole bunch. He's a whole lot better shit hunter than I am. He walked right out there looking for him. A I lot. don't know now so i got to thinking they wasn't a leaf covering that thing at all i don't know that it had been right there all the time probably not so i think squirrels might move the things around a little bit i've heard guys say that coyotes mess with them that yeah Um, i don't i've never seen that i have no proof of that uh squirrels had chewed on it but like the ones i found the ones me and kaylee found the set we found all I could see was the uh, tips of three little tines sticking yeah. up out of the leaves. And I was, I don't know, five feet away from them. I looked at them. I raced over and uh, picked them up, you know, and there's two, I mean, a 140-inch 10-point set, you know. They mm-hmm. were covered with leaves. Yeah. This thing that me and you found laying perfectly on top of the leaves, and it's been there for a year. Yeah. It Something had to have moved it. Well, there's, there was a lot of deadhead doe. Well, there were two, I think, that I stumbled across mm-hmm. in that area. So it makes sense that if a coyote's in there gnawing on bones and stuff and he just happens to come across an antler it's no different than any other bone he might carry it for a certain distance and drop yeah. the thing you guys ever seen that no i can trip over one before i see it yeah. i cannot find a shed i'll walk past it and my wife will go hey why why i thought that's what we were looking for <laughs> uh, seriously it's happened yeah. uh no i've never i've never seen that I've, but I've it never... makes sense because i mean i mean coyotes are a dog mm-hmm. you know yep. and like my lab and that he'll bring stuff up to the house yep. you know and he's brought a couple sheds up to the house and mm-hmm. and chewed around on them you know yeah. i think maybe it's where they're at the base you know where that scent scent mm-hmm. stuff is and it's a little bit softer you know and depending and, on how early they find it a little bit right. of blood on there you know so mm-hmm. you know it kind of gives them something that they like but yeah no it makes sense to me that i probably put 
I got to th- I got to thinking. You know, they wasn't a leaf Uh-oh, on it. Oh, you're in trouble. <laughs> they wasn't a leaf on it. You know, um, there ain't no way that thing laid there. Couldn't right have. there. Yeah. And a, and a leaf didn't fall on it. You know. Yeah. I yeah. mean, but anyway, it'd been chewed up some by squirrels, but it wasn't bad. No, it was a lot better than the other one we found. It looked like a boomerang. Correct. <laughs> so you go out and look for the other half. Man. Uh, we walk circles, and I just I probably most of the time I was just looking at what I had in my hand there, <laughs> not looking right. on the other side, right. you know. The but shed, yeah. right? Yes. We walked through that woods looking, uh, but gosh, we never found him. And then me and Kaylee went back, oh, a couple days later when we... Uh, when we found that other set. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we found them in another draw. Yeah, I was going to ask where you found yeah. came across those at. Yeah, we found them in another draw. We hardly ever look over there for sheds. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they don't stay in there too much, you know. Uh, but apparently that buck did last year. Now, he died this year, too. Those were last year's sheds yep. uh, that we found. They hadn't been chewed on hardly any, uh, but that's just uh, that draw over there. has got a whole lot of hedge trees and just a couple of uh, ash trees. Of course, you know what they're doing. They're mm-hmm. falling. I was worried we was going to die in there. It was a little windy. <laughs> it's a good thing, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, there ain't many trees over there squirrels want to be in, so I guess that's why they probably wasn't chewing probably. on very much. Yeah. Um, I was yeah, thinking he's of, dead, too. Yeah, I was thinking about it, too. You wanting to burn all that stuff. I'd really be surprised if a guy didn't come across a few sheds I after burning that off. I think you'd have to. Whether oh, they're yeah, from I, last we've, year's we've been or in, this in year's. set-aside fields that have caught fire, mm-hmm. went out there and put them out. And you'll see sheds out there in the field that you would have never found yep. had it not burnt off. And especially knowing like your buck was bedding out there, so you know other yep. bucks have bedded out have bed out there before. Yep. And then in the winter and all that. So. Yep. Of course, Kaylee's pregnant. When she got tired of driving, or uh, what happened? Ah, uh, well. <laughs> that's a, that's <laughs> for another shed another, time. Story. <laughs> another episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. When she. I'm got, proud of you, son. I'm proud. <laughs> When she got tired of walking around, we started riding a side-by-side, circling out there uh, on them tops. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I showed you where he was laying, mm-hmm. how he was laying and everything. So we looked real good there where he laid, on, circling on the side-by-side out there in the set-aside, mode set-aside. Right. And then on the other tops that looked kind of like that, you know, we went out there looking. Uh, because I, there's no way he shed that antler right there where we found it. It no. could have been close. Yeah. You know? But there's no way he shed it right there. Something had messed with it. Because it was almost on your path, too. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I think you would have saw it had it been there like that. Yeah. Oh, I'd been within 15 yards of that spot many times this yeah. year. Yep. I think you're right. Something had, whether it was a big burly squirrel or a coyote or whatever it was, something had probably carried it. Yep. But that's kind of the update I want to get because I knew you found those other two from that 10. Yeah, that got, and it was. Uh, you said he's about one forty. I figured he one forty from yeah. the, the year before last, yeah. and he was measured right at one sixty this year, didn't he? One sixty two. Yeah, and probably four and a half. I this think year. he. I think he was three last year. I think yeah. he's four this year. Um, not much mass, really wide. Not much mass, decent height. Um, I totally would have shot him this year. Like, don't get me wrong. Oh yeah, yeah. I wanted to shoot him. I had him at fifty, and I wanted him bad. But mm-hmm. anyway, and yeah. that that gives you a pretty good idea, like. Just from three and a half to four and a half, he gained twenty inches. Yeah, and you know roughly. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd like to measure him. Um, I think he was about eighteen wide last year. Mm-hmm. He was twenty-two wide this year. Yeah. Uh, but I thought he was about eighteen wide last year. Uh, just a pretty young buck, you know. Mm-hmm. But he put on mass. He put on height uh, and a little width too, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he uh, a big jump there. Big jump for sure. I know this. Uh, 
Rain's kind of been putting a damper on all that burning stuff, too, because we talked about yours, and we talked about yours, uh, and, and we're going to have to be getting on that stuff. I know it is getting... It'll still burn. Yeah. yeah. Jeff, yours, Jeff, yours will burn right now. My burn tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. You know, as this... Uh, In fact, get, it wouldn't be a bad idea if we catch a good day where there's no wind to get that done while there's still a, a lot of moisture, moisture in the ground. Because, yep. uh, you know, if we don't, that's uh, going to get out of control on us real mm-hmm. quick. Yeah. And, you know, uh, where it's at, you know, I got cut timber that's it's been cut, what, five years now? You Probably. know, and so you're talking dried briars and well, you also have some evergreens and stuff that you, i've got you don't want pine damage, trees right. you know hide hiding my house <laughs> you know yeah. right no, now right now you know and so have uh, you ever seen one of them burn yes oh, i have oh they burn real well yeah uh, they a pine they, tree or a house yes, <laughs> yeah both. <laughs> yeah one of my first fire calls i ever was on this one went down to that wildfire down at McLeansboro. they're topping the trees and yeah. it was topping the trees it looked like bombs going off over my head and mm-hmm. i was thinking what the hell did i just volunteer for <laughs> <laughs> you know so, uh, McLeansboro, kansas yeah something yeah. like that <laughs> take me back north <laughs> yeah. yeah might just as well been <laughs> but anyway yeah uh, the, you know where where i'm at and what i got around everything we got kind of pick our day and mm-hmm. make sure it's perfect but we need to get this stuff done because it, it's getting it's that time it is the weather's going to turn to where that can start greening up and doing what you want to do but and, i don't want to do right yeah. now right yeah. and here in about a month or so it's going to be month over the next month month and a half well be where i've season. got that switchgrass you know when you get that burnt down and get that taken care of so that way it'll come back mm-hmm. i don't want to get I don't want it to get green yeah. and then burn it and kill it, you know. So yep, it's all a timing factor here. We got, mm-hmm. yeah, the time is on us. We got to get the cold snap here has probably helped us a little bit, slowed down the soil temperature rising a little. Yes, yeah. yeah, I think you said Forrest have been burning pretty regular here. He's been bur- well according to his Instagram, and he was actually one of the things that whether it was going to work out or not, to whether we could get him on was whether or not he was going to be burning this few days but obviously the rain stopped that so yeah it's definitely time of year to be doing that because we're right around the corner from planting season yep yep and we need to be getting that stuff ready so and then like we talked about before uh we'll document all that stuff and then put it up and another thing with that i was getting crap about the store earlier and also about saying that um not having it ready because i've been saying for like the past six episodes that we're going to do our video over there well since we were supposed to have dusty on tonight I wasn't going to do it tonight. Next week, I, everything's in line. Hold me to it. We're going to do video for the first time next week for our podcast. So. Holy crap, you mean I'm going to have to shower before I come? <laughs> well, yeah, they can't you smell, smell you through the camera. <laughs> I'm going to buy a mask. We don't have anything that fancy. So anyway, next week we'll start that. And then like with your property and stuff and some of the other stuff we're doing, I want to start putting more stuff on the YouTube content-wise informative stuff just stuff of us what we're doing and keeping up with that and your property may be a good kind of pilot property to do that on it's, yeah i mean um and it's, it's close it's, it's not a new property but it basically is a new property just because of negligence and yeah everything else over the years you know so it's basically starting over but uh, for sure that half of it yeah yeah and it's the right size for a pilot program yeah yeah it's like, not a huge oh. property you know uh if it gets out of hand, you're only burning what? 
25, 30 acre? Yeah, my house. <laughs> oh. Uh, <laughs> a minor thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. But hey, I, know, I know a guy. Do you? Yeah. Save the pine trees. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, let the house go. Save priority. pine trees. They don't have insurance on the pine trees. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I know a guy. He'll be all right. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to hold you to it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we got that stuff coming up. That's exciting. I think we'll, that'll be hopefully some good content to put on the YouTube. Oh, I think it will. We get a video, uh, you know, get the drone out, mm-hmm. play around with that, see what we can kind of footage we can get fall out of the sky inside the fire well it's your drone so you know <laughs> yeah. whatever no loss on my part but, that'll be really cool on your property too if we get to burn in that if we can get a drone out there because how much we're burning yeah it'd be cool and yeah. of course like we've said before if you burn stuff and you don't post it anywhere did you really burn it that's right yeah yeah pictures or it didn't happen it, that's right yeah. no, it mean, don't matter if you drive by and the ground is scorched if you ain't got a picture on instagram it didn't happen <laughs> you know, yeah you can't scroll facebook right now without seeing flames every other post yeah. if you're on a hunting group of any kind i'm not saying that's a bad thing i'm just saying that's it's the we, we, it's the we time killed of year. that horse yeah it's the time of year so that's some stuff we got coming up. And then, like I said, I wanted to talk about that shed hunting. Um, we did talk to Forrest a little bit about it as far as the deer that are still holding. He's figuring like 95% of his bucks, or they're figuring like 95% of their bucks over there uh, have dropped. And he said, was it the bucks in Missouri or Illinois? He said, Illinois most of dropped them, first. Yeah, yeah. Illinois had dropped by January, February, most of where they were at. So. Have you heard any more from anybody or well, seen any more? Well, that's going to get taxed. <laughs> that's possible. Yeah, to get rid of those antlers. Get rid of them antlers. Get rid of that tax. I don't recall who I was talking to, but it was just last week. They had still seen bucks with antlers. Wow. Uh, there was more than one buck. It was several together. Some, And he figured some of them did, and they're obviously big enough deer that they were bucks that some of them didn't, but... It, it surprised me that there's still some holding on, and not just one side, both sides. Yeah. So, two yeah. weeks, two weeks ago at work, I seen bucks uh, with both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, you know, I worked the last six days, and I've seen deer every morning, every afternoon there at work, and I ain't seen a horn one. So in yeah. that two week period, I think they've they've dropped. Yeah, it, right now I could change in a matter of just a few days. You yeah. just see two or three, and then <laughs> they're all gone. Yep. Yep. And that's why I think, and he said they're wrapping. Forrest said they're wrapping up their shed hunting. They went through maybe one more time recently, but they were pretty much done with that. What they were doing, and you know, multiple things go into that. Obviously, he they believe that most of theirs have dropped already, and they found a lot of the ones they wanted to find. <clears throat> that doesn't mean where we're at or necessarily if you guys got to be done shed hunting though. And that's why Saturday we're gonna have. Uh, an episode come up. Steve Shirk's going to be back on. We're going to talk about his article about shed hunting. We have a lot of good stuff in there. So now that, and I'd have to think that that's probably a pretty close to a number, 90 to 100%. Obviously, probably not 100%, but 90 plus percent across most of the Midwest is probably going to have dropped by now. Unless you get way up north, I don't know where they would be at. But now's the time. Like, you could have went out in the last month and not found the sheds from a buck you were looking for because he may have still been hanging on to them. So at least now you're pretty sure that most of them had dropped. If you go out there and walk and you don't find them, you can probably be pretty sure that he just didn't drop them on you or you didn't see them. It's not that he's still hanging on to them. So we're going to talk about that on Saturday and some stuff that he looks for and stuff that he does 
like I said, we'll go through the article with him, and I think that'll be good too. So, I think cameras are uh, forced hit on a key. Uh, they they were using their cameras this time, well, this time of year and, and earlier to to see when the bucks, their target bucks, were dropping their antlers <clears> and to help them locate where and when. And and they hadn't shut their cameras off, but they'd shut the cell feature right, off. Feature <laughs> off. So they were still picturing, but they thought there was enough of the bucks had dropped that there wasn't any reason to throw it to the cell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they were going to crank that back on in probably July or something like he that. Said, yeah, early June or mid June, late all or so they early can July. Pick up on those bucks, they can start at that time. They they They're believe they can start trying to identify. Yeah. This guy. Yeah. Okay, this is a guy that we thought you know was yep. over here. It's that kind of Where thing. Where he's so, at. So it's kind of interesting to see. Oh yeah. You know what those guys are doing. Um, with yeah. all the cameras that they have and the resources and that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, because we talked about before, well, all of us different times, and even the first episode we did for the podcast, talking about when we run cameras and how to run them and times of year and all that. So that was pretty interesting yeah. as far as when he started and stopped. Because like we've talked before, uh, I won't start running them again probably till August. Now, I'm a little different situation than those guys, obviously. <laughs> um, but I think that's about the same with you, Nate, and Jeff. Uh, I don't know when you're planning yeah. on running yours again on that property down there or anything <laughs> well uh since i border public ground i can probably run about any time i want to right now because yeah you know nobody's gonna be around there uh, i'm thinking late july first of august i'll start putting cameras up yeah and and, I, and that's probably a pretty good time frame like he was what he was yeah. talking about you're gonna start being able to identify those bucks they got enough headgear on enough characteristics that you can tell yeah. okay that's and your buck from last year what i liked and I, I mean, I didn't get to comment on his comment, but mm -hmm. so I will now. But what I liked, what he pointed out too, was the crop rotation. Yeah, you know, uh, where where the corn was last year, that's going to be beans, and mm -hmm. where the beans was this year, that's going to be corn. Ninety five percent of the time. Yep. And so, you know, everything that the pattern I had last year for these deer is going to flip flop. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I have to my advantage is that I hunt a narrow uh, part of timber, yep. you know, that borders that public ground. And so hopefully they'll flip over on the private ground mm -hmm. and I'll have a better shot at them. But I'm still going to hunt the same area. Right. You know, but I kind of have a strategy. You know, mm -hmm. I, hunting a new ground, you got your first year, your expectations are pretty low. Yeah. I'm, I'm, or they should be mm -hmm. because, you know, it's just We well, don't know anything about you it. You don't know anything about it. You're trying to figure it out. You can and, only figure so much out from scouting in yep. the summer. Yeah, and so until you're out there putting out the time and watching the observation, you might as well, if you're hunting a new ground, I believe that the 95, 98% of the time that you're out there is mostly for observation. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, should probably you hunt might, accordingly. Yeah, you might get you a doe, you know, for meat or whatever. You might get lucky and have a nice big buck walk if you're there at mm -hmm. the right time, you know, but it kind of gives you a strategy for next year. Yep. And that's what I was out there for. That's what I was out there for uh, this year. That's my phone. <laughs> so <laughs> time out. Jeff's got his phone ringing. <laughs> I thought we was in church. I, I, was, I thought Nate, Nate broke out in a song there. I thought I didn't Nate know. found another shed. <laughs> Anyway, what were you saying? <laughs> but you know, it, property. It kind of, it kind of gives you a, 
an idea. That's staying in, by the yeah, way. <laughs> yeah, that's fine because I don't care. I ain't ashamed. I mean, you know, that's my side note on that. That's my Bible verse for the day. Side note on that. I was getting some uh, heck for saying crap like every episode. Like, hey, we're not going to be fake here. It, it's it is what it is. Yeah, you know, it's real. So sometimes our Bible verse ringtone comes across while exactly. we're recording. The I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> But you know, one thing I picked up on what Forrest said was he was talking about individual deer. They, they right. have tracked individual deer for long enough. They know which deer likes corn. They know which they know particular buck likes soybeans. So, yeah. Uh, but that's another thing too, where the cameras come in play mm-hmm. is because I don't, I don't know what, you know. I might, I had my target buck this year that drop kind, that drop kind eight. I don't know if he's alive now or not mm-hmm. because, you know, hunting next public ground, I don't have the, I'm hunting on 30 acres. Right. That joins up to how many hundreds or thousands of acres of public ground. Yeah, right there's a, what, a few hundred there in one spot. Right. right. But you know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. and so I can't control that. That's a factor I can't control. And so I'll put my cameras out in July, late July, early August to see my inventory because i can't just focus on one deer for next year you you're gonna have you may have to target a particular buck that's in your inventory exactly it may not be him he may not be that's what that's what i'm trying to say you know he he may be removed from that inventory now i know or he may just like corn or he may (laughs) just like corn (laughs) whereas a guy and if he does well then Praise God, he'll be on my side. Of the property. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but yeah, and that's some you know interesting. Whether it be whether you're hunting on public ground or next to public ground, the flip side of that would be if you're hunting like 200 acres of private ground and it's bordered by all private ground, and you're all kind of on the same page, or at least a couple of you are, you're going to have a target buck from like Nate, for example, for the funky eight. A target buck you may have for a couple, two, three, even four years, depending on how old he gets. Right. Whereas if you're on public or next to public, it's like okay. These are the bucks I have this year. Yep. Which one of these is the most mature buck that I want to take? So right. your your target list is not necessarily carrying over year to year. Now it might, but right. most of the time it's going to be, this is what I got. I'm going to target this buck for this year. If I get him, great. If I don't, that's probably my shot at him. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. So that's something that's kind of a unique thing to your situation or a public right. situation. Right, uh, you know, and believe me, it was heartbreaking to see him. <laughs> You know, just right there, just right there, and couldn't get a shot at him because I knew that was probably the only chance I'd ever have at him again. Yeah, because uh, you know, Illinois firearm shotgun season was coming up in just a couple of days. Can, can you lock up with a crossbow? I don't. I'm well, asking for a friend. Nah. <laughs> not that it's ever happened before. I, not, not on a crossbow. crossbow. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen so, it happen with a this bow. This my first year of a crossbow. I've okay. seen it happen with a bow. I don't no. know. I said for a friend. I don't. That was back in the eighties. Give me a break. That's <laughs> not in the eighties. Yes, it was. Uh, oh maybe, yeah, I was. Uh, maybe early nineties. Uh, no. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> what he was saying, and like you said, preferences and stuff. I'll catch Nate up a little bit. He said that there were certain bucks where, depending on what the crop rotation was, to say I had corn on this side and bean on this side. Well, this buck would hang out down here, and this buck would hang out up here. The next year, they'd be on totally opposite ends of the farm because this buck just preferred beans. He called them a bean hog. Some of them were corn hogs, uh, just preferred beans to corn or corn to beans, and that would shift where they were at, you know, on the farm. 
did he say anything if they seemed uh when one buck was on the beans and then the next year when the other buck was on the corn but you know the beans and corn were in the same spot did the bucks do did each buck do the same thing that the other one did when they were down there did he say anything about that nope i wish you'd yeah. been here to ask him that cause i didn't even yeah. think about it but that's that would be interesting to know like if they had are they, similar are they both patterns behave the same yeah in that area yep because that's what they want to eat it don't matter what it is that's what they want to eat they're going to be there did they both behave the same yeah when they were going into that so field? like do they switch betting spots and travel corridors as well yeah. yeah that'd be interesting to know yeah and the one thing the one thing i wanted to add to that not i wanted to comment whenever he said that but i didn't get a chance to but anyways you know like if you're putting in a new food plot or you have the acreage for it and stuff why not cater to both mm-hmm. you know uh you you and i have talked about this we've discussed it on our plan of what we want to do at my place you know, I'm going to have corn to screen my plot from the road. Mm-hmm. But then inside the corn, I'm also going to put a few rows of beans, you know, standing beans or whatever. Yep. And then I'll have my clover and chicory and stuff. So I'm kind of catering to both. You know, if, if a deer prefers corn, well, guess what? He's got corn. If he prefers beans, guess what? He's going to have beans. Mm-hmm. You know, and so kind of implement that into your thinking whenever you're doing the food plots. Yeah, and if you've got the ground to do it, but say you're next to an ag field, be on an opposite rotation mm-hmm. of that guy. Well, not only that, you know, in ag, in ag fields, uh, you know, come October, November, whatever, it's going to be gone. They're gone anyway. You know, they're just going to pick up whatever scraps of combine left behind. Yep. You know, and Ho- so... Hope he's got a gleaner. <laughs> <laughs> or an inter- international. <laughs> oh, Lord. We're For all you John Deere guys. Bleeding green. Yeah. Well, you know... <laughs> Anyway, John Deere always made the best combine. That. That's all there is to say. But anyway, uh, you know, uh, yeah, uh, that's going to be gone. So you're going, you're still going to have your mm-hmm. food source standing there your, with your grains. So uh, whether it's corn, beans, or sorghum, mm-hmm. you know, and my gosh, remember when sorghum was a big thing here around? Oh, yeah. And where did we always find all the deer? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They always in them sorghum fields. Yeah. Number one, they had cover. Number two, they had food. Mm-hmm. You know, and They just laid out there, didn't they? They just lay out there. Yeah. bed out there in the yep. field, maybe. What, what'd you do with them? Did you, did you try to sneak up on them you or know, just hope it, he came to you? I, yeah. You know what? I know one guy, friend, a friend of mine, just lives up the road from me during firearm shotgun season, and... Everybody gave him crap about it, but he had two buck tags, you know, because Illinois still gives you two buck tags. Mm-hmm. And during firearm shotgun season, he spotted a buck out in the sorghum field, out in the middle of it. All I seen was his horn sticking up. So he belly crawled between the stalks and got within range, shot that buck, and then all of a sudden another buck, same size, and these are 150-inch deer, same size, jumped up right beside it, so he shot it too. And everybody gave him crap for killing two bucks, you know. But, yeah. I mean, there you had two bucks during the first part of shotgun season, which should have been the rut, mm-hmm. and they was within 40, 50 yards of each other. Yep. And the Milo stalks bedded down, and that's what he did. He just belly crawled up to him like a sniper or, you know, something. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and the, he, he got the job done. And, yeah. And those nice 150-inch 10-point deer. Yeah. And a benefit I see to like the sorghum over the corn, if you're in the right situation to do it, the deer will eat the corn as it's coming up. They won't really touch the sorghum because it's way, it's more of a grass than 
corn even. I mean, yeah, the, the way it grows and all that. They're both in the same category, but right. The There's a different palatability. The deer wheat, deer wheat, the swirl out of the sor- or out of the corn. Because yeah, they will the sorghum. Yeah, and they they won't really eat the sorghum until it heads out and they'll eat the seeds off of it. Right. But so if you have limited acreage to plant and you don't have that, uh, you know forage that we talked about before in the woods and stuff around you and all that maybe go look at sorghum and the thing about sorghum is com, com, if you compare sorghum to corn corn is carbohydrates mm-hmm. milo for us country boys yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. milo yeah <laughs> milo sorghum whatever but uh corn is full of carbohydrates that's mostly what corn is a carbohydrate yep milo sorghum is a protein yep and so more like a soybean yeah yeah and so you know it kind of, there's more nutrition. There's benefit. more nutrition to the sorghum and milo than there is to the corn. The corn is basically just a filler and a fattener to get them through yep, and give them energy. Yep. But you know the protein and stuff helps them out a lot more than what the corn does. Yep. And before we get, I think off, though, bed and though in in the sorghum, bed and oh bed, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> bed and in the sorghum, uh, deer feel more comfortable because it's not eight feet tall like corn right so they can but see they through there they stand up and they can see everything they stand yeah. up and they can see and they can walk out through there and see and all their seen. surroundings and be safe enough to lay down and, it's thick and still enough see can, some of it yeah. it's thick enough though they can lay down and feel safe yeah, yeah. they can hide in it which you could do in corn but but then they can only see yeah you know so many feet and you can't see the them direction. either you can get up in a tree stand and see a deer in a milo field where you can't in a cornfield but they can see you. But they can see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, that takes. Remember the doe you she shot in my woods that year. Um, there was a cut, a cut Milo field mm-hmm. right next to it. How many? We lost blood trail. How many rows did we have to walk up and down looking mm-hmm. for this deer until we finally stepped on? It? I mean, quite a, quite a few. You and could, fi- and it was colder and crap out there that day, if I remember right. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. Before we get off of it, the. Like you were talking about having both the corn and the beans, uh, I wanted to say there was a f- kind of a thing for a while, and maybe some guys are still doing it, where they would plant corn like on their 30-inch rows, and then they would plant beans between the corn rows. That's because beans piss out nitrogen Right. the corn needs to grow. But eventually your corn's going to shade out your beans. Yeah. They're, like the research and studies have been done on it, you're way better off. It's like if you've got two acres. Separate them. To just plant one acre of corn, one acre of beans, and then switch sides the next year. Because you're yep. still going to get the benefit from the nitrogen. Yep. You're not going to shade out your beans. You're going to get a lot better production. And then even if you're just trying to figure out what your deer are liking, mm-hmm. if they go to that field that you've planted with corn and beans both in it, unless you can see exactly what they're eating down in there, right? you're not going to know. If you plant them beside each other, you can tell, okay, they've been out in the bean field way more than they have the corn field. Most of us don't have the luxury of targeting a buck two three four five years out and or the ability to say we're going to plant corn here and we're going to plant beans here so i I appreciate the fact that they do most of us don't so whatever that guy across the fence is planting that's how we're going to have to hunt or scout or stand or right but if you've got the room to do it if you have the room to do it absolutely but if you don't you just live with what's next door to right and there's nothing that's not taken away from anything from hunting plots in the and right the opening areas oh no no wherever you're at you know if you got open area you know even if it's just a a small percentage of an acre and you want to put clover and stuff out there i'm not saying that 
you know, go to corn and beans, you know, absolutely use your clover, chicory, turnips, whatever you want to use. But if you got like a, like we're, we're going to do mine, I'm going to have mm-hmm. about two acres because, because of diesel fuel and all that crap, I'm going to have to cut it down. But, thank you, yeah. Biden. But anyway, you know. There, there's an appropriate spot for that word. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Trump 24. But <laughs> we got it. You know, if you have that accessibility, that, mm-hmm. that ground stuff, well, then, you know, it makes sense to give them a variety of food instead of just one food. You know, I give them a variety of nutrients, whether it's carbohydrates, protein, your clover, your chicory, your turnips, whatever, you know. And I think, give them a reason to want to come yeah. to your place instead of just going out into that crop field. Yeah, and especially where we're at, in my opinion, start with your green stuff first, exactly. whether it be the clover and chicory, the turnips, radishes, that stuff. And then if you have more room and you've got enough of that stuff stuff established, then go to your corn and beans. Mm-hmm. Don't start with the corn and beans because that stuff's all over the place where we're at. Now, if you can go ahead – well, let me phrase it this way. If you've got two acres for a food plot, okay, and even a mile down the road there's a 200-acre cornfield, and a mile the other way there's a 100-acre bean field, why wouldn't you use your two acres for something that they can't get anywhere else? Rather than planting a corn and beans. Yes and no. I mean, let's let's look at they're used to eating corn and beans, mm-hmm. and so that's what they're used to going to. So add a little bit of the corn, add a little bit of the beans, and then add the, the remainder. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying plant the whole two acres to corn, right? Or, you know, right. plant an acre to corn and plant an acre. To it beans. still needs to be a ratio there. It needs to be a ratio. You yeah. know, like I'm I'm going where I'm at. You know, I got a robe that. Mm, just traveled heavily during hunting season yeah you know right next to where i want to put my food plot so i'm going to use the corn as a screen we're going to plant about six to eight rows of corn Mm -hmm. you know let it stand do its thing and then outside of that or inside of that because i'm working from the road in towards the woods inside that on plant i plan on planting six to eight rows of beans Mm -hmm. you know leave them alone let them stand let them do their thing you know, gonna have a little bit of switchgrass in there, whatever wants to come up, yep. and then I'm gonna have the clover and chicory from inside the beans, switchgrass to the woods. So you know, I'm giving them a, I'm giving them a salad or a buffet yeah. to choose yeah. from. I guess is what the best words from it. You know, so they'll have their corn, they'll have their beans, uh, some switchgrass, whatever for cover, and then they're gonna have the clover and chicory mm-hmm. you know for their spring and summer growth yep and i don't know what an exact ratio would be but in my mind it would be something like either like a 60 40 or maybe even a 70 30 where if you want the corn and beans go ahead and plant either 60 or 70 percent of the green stuff first and then use that remaining 30 or 40 like basically what you're going to do for the corn and beans right yeah. you know but use it smartly you know yeah. like where i need to use it for a screen to, yeah. to screen my food plot and where i'm intending for my deer to to be to feel comfortable come out to feed Mm -hmm. use it intelligently to you know use the corn to screen it from the road where people can't see through it to see what's out there Mm -hmm. and don't let again use try to maximize i know we're in southern illinois the board intelligent uh, plays a little bit that's a double negative you doing anything intelligently kind of Struck me there a minute. <laughs> well, you know, never mind a, me. It was a moment. <laughs> yeah, I saw was. the look. <laughs> yeah, good you thing it wasn't on video. <laughs> hey, we're gonna be next. Yeah. Well, I won't be next week. No. Well, what I may we, be on assignment. No. What we're getting at 
use your property, maximize the what you can get out of it, basically, whether what whatever you're gonna plant, and plan out accordingly to what's around you, and be smart about it. But and the thing you know was talking about the corn bean rotation. Uh, yeah, I mean, next year I'm gonna be into a little bit of a dilemma there because the the smart thing for me to do, not that I've ever done anything smart in my life beat you to it <laughs> but the smart thing for me to do would be put beans outside and the corn inside uh so we're gonna have to figure what we want to do there mm-hmm. and that i think that's where uh us leaving that strip of switchgrass that's already established is going to come into play right next year you know at least that will be there as a more cover and barrier form mm-hmm. from the road for sure and then obviously on top of all your food plots and stuff we got to get these guys in here if you have all that stuff and especially this time of year when all the does are have the their fawns still haven't what's the word i'm looking for gestation yeah they're still in the gestation period that's an intelligent word did you see the fetus on the they're at the split they're by where you work i suppose not Uh, the uh, uh, deer fetus, not a uh, human. But <laughs> I know I found a body by where. Thanks for clearing right. that. <laughs> well, that cuts that out. <laughs> so go ahead now. It's too late. Just let her rip, big boy. But, <laughs> did you not? I'm sorry. I just hit uh, me uh, where you said gestation. One of them get road killed. Well, one of them got road killed, and there's a fetus about that long, a deer fetus, knocking out like, laying in the middle. Right there, where veterans, you know, after like coming from the west, you go through the light, yeah. and veterans come from a four to a two. Yeah. Right there, there's a fetus about that long way wow. in the middle. Of it. No, I didn't see And it, I even stopped and looked, and it, it makes sure it wasn't a human after what I've heard on the radio. Yeah. And it is specifically a deer. You can, yeah. you can make it out. So Man. the ones that have not been road killed are still inside the does. Right. <laughs> and they're still providing nutrition for them. <laughs> And if they're bucks, that's when a lot of that antler You're going to edit potential. this anyway. So. Oh, no, it's staying. <laughs> that's where a lot of that antler potential is going to start to come into play, and all that comes from excess. Even in the deer, the bucks that are already, you know, three, four years old are regrowing their antlers. Any extra antler growth comes from excess nutrition. Well, you right. excess nutrition from your supplements and proteins and stuff like that, which is where Rack's Big Game Supplements comes in. They're a veteran-owned company out of northeast Nebraska. Uh you know they're just they're deer hunters just like just like us. I say that every week. Uh, I've talked to these guys several times. That they have the same mindset as we do. Um, at the time when they come up with this stuff, they're just looking to get more out of the minerals and feed that was already on the market and some of the kind of maybe some of the bigger stuff that you see advertised a lot. So they developed Rax products uh, through years of research and came up with one of the best mixes available that will help improve your herd's overall health. Like I said while not feeding non-target species like the raccoons and the squirrels and all that stuff. They've got minerals, protein blocks, pelletized feed, meal feed, all specifically designed for whitetail. So no matter what you're doing, whether you want to put out minerals like in your dirt and stuff, pelletized feed for your feeders, your drop feeders and stuff, meal feed, they've got a lot of stuff for you guys out there. Um, You can use the discount code RHO22, that's capital RHO22 at checkout. You'll receive 5% off your entire order at RaxMineral.com, R-A-K-S Mineral.com. You can also stop by our shop, which will be open next week, and Mm -hmm. see what we have in stock or order what we don't have, and we'll save you some money on shipping there. So 
Because some of that stuff, you can get a 40-pound bag of seed uh, shipping just like everything else has gone up. So you can stop in the shop, uh, figure out what we do have. If you want something we don't have, order it. And that goes for all the seed. If you guys want to support the podcast, you like what we're doing, you can stop in the shop and buy stuff. You can go to our online website. You can order it there. It's planting season. You're going to be buying seed anyway. Uh, if you like what we're doing, come get it from us. Or uh, even if you don't. That's right. Well, yeah. we'll give you the best yeah. price. You- seed might be better than the show. That's <laughs> right. It could be. But either way, and if you... You know, you want something you don't see on the website or we don't have in the store, just send us a message through the website on our Facebook page, and I'll see what I can do for you as far as getting you that at a better price. Because, again, like everything else, seed's going way over out of the roof, too. So that's a way you can support. Another way, go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. One stars, five stars, whatever it is. Tell us we suck. Tell us we're great. Tell us you love us. Tell us you hate us. Either way, we like hearing from you guys. If you ever have any questions, you can give us feedback through there. The website. Does ex wives um, count? No. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> no. We'll filter those out. All right. And then you can uh, subscribe on YouTube if you're listening to this there. Like I said, we're going to have some new video content. You get five one stars, couldn't you? Jeff? I get three. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. Give me a break. <laughs> and then you can also follow us on Spotify. So while Jeff's figured out how many ex wives he has, we're going to get all well, of I here. know. Your dad is, uh, he's confused. <laughs> and we'll catch you guys actually on Saturday. We'll have Steve Shirk coming on which will be tomorrow so be looking for that what and then you know this is coming out on friday oh yeah so you haven't confused (laughs) that's not hard to do (laughs) thanks for listening guys we'll catch you again later